Welcome to The Label Podcast, a show about disability, illness and difference. And history. I'm Lucy. And I'm Alice. I'm Daisy. So much more than what you see. We all live our lives differently. Kaleidoscope identity. And this is who I'm meant to be. I'm just labelled me. I'm just labelled me. this episode along with lucy crying and alice swearing there is going to be a number of historical terms for disability that are now considered extremely offensive i don't think the recording has just caught daisy saying oh fuck i forgot to get out a christmas hat i think daisy's disappeared (laughs) but where has daisy gone gone to get a christmas hat i guess um so that should give you an inkling that we are here for the second part of our christmas history lesson it's all right, Daisy's back, it's fine. I thought I was going to have to go through the revolution. <laughs> the Russian revolution on my own. I was like... The minute you pressed record, my entire like browser window just went, nope. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, so as you can tell, it's the Label Podcast uh, with me, Lucy and Daisy. Obviously, if Daisy is here, Hi. that can only mean yeah. one thing. Chaos. Um, it's another history. Yes. Okay. Two things. Chaos if, and history. If, if, <laughs> if Daisy. <laughs> if my entire computer doesn't crash again. Yeah. Good luck, everybody. This episode everybody. is going out in. <laughs> this episode is going out uh, just before Christmas, I believe, or possibly Crimbo Limbo Week. If you are listening to this in Crimbo mm. Limbo Week and you have spent the last four days slightly drunk. You have finally run out of Quality Street. Your great aunt Glinda will not go home. And uh, you can't remember (laughs) the last time that you changed your pants. We see you. Christmas is hard. We're here to make it worse with the depressing history lesson. I'm here for the comic relief, though. (laughs) We'll give it a go. Um, I'm going to... I'm going to just recap what we talked about last week. Um, So we are in the middle of hearing about Alexei Romanov and the Romanovs, who were the uh, Russian royal family at the turn of the 20th century, headed up by Nicholas and Alexandra, the Tsar and Tsarina and Emperor and Empress of something like 47% of all of the landmass of the world at that time. Yeah, it's quite big, wasn't it? Um, Yeah. Very big. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes, big and powerful. Uh, But Russia had slowly been uh, falling apart and things were not going well for the Romanovs. On top of that, their only son and heir to the Romanov throne, Alexei, uh, had been born with haemophilia, which is a... Uh, clotting disorder which means that your blood doesn't clot properly and so you have a lot of problems with internal bleeding and hemorrhaging um all fun stuff of course set against Merry the Christmas. Of... <laughs> yeah set against the backdrop of like siberian winters and like starvation and stuff it's all all super jolly yeah 
I mean, yeah, was that the basis of why why this was a Christmas episode? It's just because it's set in Russia and it's sometimes cold. I'm going to exactly what I said. This episode, right at the end. Right at the yeah, end. Yeah, but why would that I'm going to tell right, you. Right, These right. poor people have got to go through two episodes to work out why this is related to Christmas. It's just like... You're all going to want to kick me when you hear it as well. You are going to oh, Is it like a tiny, tiny... Is is the reason some kind of like pun? <laughs> not exactly. And it's but not far off. <laughs> oh my god! Um, no, no. Um, I mean the the big the big thing that happens um, to the yeah. Romanovs doesn't even happen in the winter. It happens on my birthday in the middle of July. So amazing. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's, that that's how you'll all yeah. remember when I when my birthday is. Uh, so, Daisy is here to tell us about the Russian Revolution, which is super, super complicated, and that's why I handed it off to Daisy. Yeah, don't worry, I've done it badly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to get that on a t-shirt, don't can, worry, I've done it badly. <laughs> people come, people know what to expect from the labelled podcast. They come, they come here prepared for uh, ignorance and disappointment. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I will warn you, I've got a, a lovely pop-up at the top of my screen that reassures me that actual recording is in higher quality than <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing uh, on the screen. <laughs> we left the last episode on a bit of a cliffhanger, as it were. Um, at the start of the sort of unrest that were to go on to become the February Revolution. Mm-hmm. Yeah, do you yeah. remember that? Yeah. Yeah, it was yeah, it was a long yeah. time yeah, ago yeah, yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> a whole we're, we're listening a whole intently. like week in podcast time. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. It's just any time you're not making noise, I'm worried it's because no, it's fine. I'm you're right. Keep going. <laughs> recording <right>. something. <laughs> I can keep talking at you, Daisy. While yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like if if you're intently listening, it concerns me. <laughs> <laughs> we'll just constantly nod so that you know that we can yeah. <laughs> like those dot those, uh, all the those way through now. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Who gets it? That was the start of the unrest that would become the February Revolution. And now I'm going to confuse you, Lucy, and annoy you, Alice, again, by mentioning well, that the February the... Revolution is also sometimes called the March Revolution. Yes. <laughs> Because while it happened in February, according to the Gregorian calendar, which Russia was using at the time, according to the Julian calendar, which we use and Russia uses now, yeah, I think it we was had this conversation last time, and it completely like threw me completely. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah, I, I am. Yeah, al it's... although I said that the thing that the big thing that happens to the Romanovs has happens on my birthday i'm not sure which calendar it happens on my birthday in no. so it so might it be mid august it could happen on christmas yeah yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah it could have been christmas <laughs> yeah <laughs> so yeah so we spoke briefly about how um a lot of complications came from from the the war specifically the world war but th there was kind of a lot of this frustration with their governments and rulers and stuff had a much longer lead time, as it were. So it's centuries of virtually unchecked Russian expansion into Asia ended with what they call an embarrassing defeat in the Russo-Japanese War, 
which is in sort of 1904-1905. So basically they'd wanted to control the whole of Asia, basically. Um, but this this loss in this war against the Japanese kind of shattered those aims and kind of shattered sort of their national identity as it works. It's like, oh God, if we can't, you know, beat the Japanese in a war, can we even control the whole world? Mm. I mean, obviously the answer is like, well, no, no, you can't control the whole world. And it was, I I got the impression from what I read that like everybody was like, what, leave Japan alone, what are you doing? Just leave it alone. Like, it's not, it, you, you're mm. not going to win, leave it alone. And, and they were like, no, 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 no. That's all right. We got this. We got this. You just you carry on with what you're doing. Yeah, a little bit. It feels a, a bit little power bit like mad, weren't Putin they? Putin Ukraine. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's everybody went a bit power yeah, but, mad. But they are that they they're already like in having just they're a country minding their own business. Leave them alone. And the Russians went no 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 no. That's ours now. Like and, and you yeah. but but nobody wants you. No, but it's ours. It's fine. And uh, yeah, it didn't <laughs> it didn't go well. Yeah. Yeah, so this actually led to kind of the first Russian revolution, which was in 1905. We say the first, there, you know, may well have been others before it, but the first in this this block of Russian revolutions. Yeah, it's like they, they, did, they did the one in 1905 and they went, well, that went well, we should do that again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so that unrest was directed primarily against the Tsar, the nobility, the ruling classes. There was workers' strikes, peasants unrest and uh, a bunch of military mutinies mm. which were always fun so as a result um the Tsar nicholas issued what they called the october manifesto there's a um, lot of months here this, I, like, that mani- yeah i know it's not very imaginative just call it a different name like they probably could have named these things after something else yeah, yeah. they just sort of looked around and went what what month is it <laughs> <laughs> what yeah. month do I like? And everyone went, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. everybody went, I don't know, it depends what um, calendar you're using. Which calendar are you using? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I was going to say, is it, is it Christmas yet? Can we call it Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so that, that October manifesto eventually became, well not eventually, it was like a year later, it became the Russian constitution. And it, 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 ha- it set up a sort of parliamentary system of some degree um although it kind of barely made any sort of change because nicholas still wanted to be in charge i said this in the last episode didn't i that that all the almost all the other countries in europe had a royal family who were kind of constitutional monarchs and uh, a actual kind of democratic political system um and russia was one of the last to kind of pick that up and the Tsars were really holding on to being the absolute rulers and still believing that they were made rulers, you know, by God and that they had the divine right to rule. So when there, because a lot of the worker strikes were all about um, people wanting to get a democratic and elected um, political system. And the Tsar was just like, I'm fucking having none of this. Um, and yeah, so the the first, I think this first constitution, like Daisy was saying, did wasn't really worth the paper it was written on. Yeah, there was there was very limited actual change, and any change that was, I guess, marked out in the constitution was like at the will of the Tsar mm. anyway. Mm. 
And so it was kind of like, you know, it's basically a, a manifesto that said, oh, yeah, 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 we can totally make all of these changes as long as Nicholas agrees. Yeah. Which is, you know, yeah, kind of pointless yeah. when he's objected for so yeah. long to any of these things. We'll go and ask him, but we'll say, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> go ask your dad. Yeah, I was yeah. just going to say that. It's a very, it's a very like, oh, mummy, can I do this? Um, why don't you ask your dad? Because he'll definitely say no, and I don't want you to do it, but I don't want to be the bad guy. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, since since that point, basically, there was there was a large percentage of the Russian population who kind of, they they still felt that, you know, the Tsar refused to modernise and that, you know, the people of Russia was were suffering as a result i mean in addition just due to the massive size of it there was there was like a whole host of different ethnic groups that were part of russia that didn't necessarily feel particularly represented as you know as you can imagine this kind of empire that not only covers the size of land that you know russia does today which you know still includes like a load of different ethnic mm. groups from you know all of those different parts but yeah the rest of their empire as well it's understandable that uh, a bunch of rich people in the capital city isn't particularly representative of say you know some peasants from siberia and you know ethnic eastern europeans yeah. and asian people yeah, my book was saying that a lot of the um jewish people who came who arrived in um, particularly New York at that t uh, time were um, displaced Russian Jews who would just get get in the fuck out basically mm. which is sensible mm -hmm. yeah yeah. <laughs> um, yeah I'm going to mark that as a good decision <laughs> yeah yeah. I was going to say that that is what they call foresight <laughs> yeah yeah there, there had been some vague attempts to modernize and industrialize in russia um but it hadn't been enough to meet the needs of the population everything was still kind of uh in in more sort of i don't like to say traditional terms because that implies that that's worse somehow but it, it kind of traditional individualist types of things rather than sort of you know mass producing in the food for the population it's mm. it's still you know quite reliant on mm -hmm. um i guess traditional f you know farming techniques and things like that which you know work, work well if you've got like a, a small and integrated community but yeah when everything's a bit more diasporic is uh tricky so were russia quite insular then really like you know did they try and do stuff like it what i'm trying what am i trying to say my brain's foggy. Um, like, did they import and export a lot of stuff, basically, is what I'm trying to say? Or was it very sort of like, we keep everything in-house, we do everything, like, the, the, you know, that kind of thing? Mm. I mean, I mean, yeah, they're, they're very much trying to be, you know, self-reliant and kind yeah. of like, oh, we are the best empire and therefore everyone will want to join us. And yeah. it won't even matter that we lost that war. Yeah. I think when you're that we'll big, show them. there's there there is a you can do you know if you think about even now like this is the size of Russia like some of the 
some of the stuff that you're transporting from one side of Russia to the other is like the same distance that we are like importing fruit and shit, you know? It's Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It exactly. is vast. Mm. So they are yeah. able to as, do that. As for exactly as 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 for exactly what their imports and exports were in that year, I don't have that <laughs> no. data. Of course. I'm gonna yeah. guess you give me a couple of hours, I can look it up. I'm gonna guess fur and Kalashnikovs. We'll we'll put it in the show it's notes. Lucy asking me questions that I don't know the answer yeah, so, to. You know, well, I do it all the time, don't I? Because I think you are the oracle. Yeah, that's why. Sit here frantically googling. <laughs> Sorry, these questions just come at me, and I'm like, I need to ask that question. Yeah. So that revolution in 1905 originally just started as a strike. Yeah. Because you know that's a pretty solid way of protesting. To be fair. Um. Very quickly, the Tsar lost control of sort of large parts of Russia, and it seemed like the monarchy in whole was in danger. It it kind of looked like it was all going to collapse around then, but somehow he managed to escape with just these incredibly minor concessions mm-hmm. to form a constitutional monarchy. Yeah, you know, like we said in the October Manifesto. So the the Essentially, Parliament that he set up was called a Duma, although I haven't actually had a pronunciation on it, so it could be pronounced some other way. I think I've heard it's Duma. Yeah, so it's it's D U M A. Yeah, I'd say that was Duma. Yeah. So yeah, and he so he he set up this you know Parliament and agreed to loosen up the censorship and freedom of speech laws to allow people to you know meet up and discuss issues that they wanted to without being worried that they would be arrested for saying mean things about the monarch. Mm-hmm. Except he was able to control who was added to the Duma and to uh, decide that actually the Duma wasn't working at the minute, thanks, and okay, shut it we'll down. Stop, yeah, we'll stop that, please, because it's not and working. And sort of... Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't like this one. Yeah. yeah, 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 and, and force it so that like a whole load of new people have to be brought in to start mm-hmm. it up again. Mm-hmm. And the, the the discontent of this sort of, you know, inverted commas, reform, yeah, uh, never really went away and just kind of stayed under there until the First World War. So, I mean, we mentioned in the last episode how bad Nicholas was at war. <laughs> He was so bad at oh, war. Oh yeah, no, he, he was not <laughs> he was, good. He was, he was really, really bad at it. Bless him. Uh, Did he not like it? I, mean, I was going to say that bless him bad. because. Well, I don't, I don't know. Like, I think I would be pretty bad at war as well. Yeah, yeah I think he I was. Would. He was not. So he was not sort of. Um, from my understanding, he was not really. I think his dad died. Not, not. He wasn't young. But his dad died younger than people expected him to and so he hadn't really had a great deal of training in the sort of in what he was what people thought he should have and um Mm -hmm. so he he'd he was very good at wandering around and being like oh look at all of these people you know look at look at me and all my medals and you know getting my troops to stand in formation but actually like military planning and stuff he was really bad at no, he was good at like getting everybody organised, ready to go. Not even like that. He was very good at going, hey, let's have a parade. 
but not yes. actually like, hey, let's get ready to actually go and, and kill some other people. And I think, I yeah. can't remember if I said in the last episode, he took a lot of, <laughs> he did a lot of stuff that his wife told him to do. And his wife would just meet someone nice at a party and be like, you should make them a general. He was, I liked him. He, <laughs> he was funny. You should make him a general. And he'd be like, yeah, all right. He had a, he had a nice moustache. Yeah, so a bunch of the people in charge of the Russian military also had no fucking idea what they were doing. So yeah, so yeah, as as a result of all of that, their losses were incredibly heavy, and because he was controlling those forces there, like on the front line, he could be personally blamed mm. in a way that he probably wouldn't have if he just avoided it and stayed at home and left it to other people he thought it was like it was a show of power i think i said he, he alexi was there with him for a bunch of like at, at the front lines like he just brought his his sick kid with him to just be like hey let's play soldiers and that's that's very much what it feels like and this kid's got like, hemophilia as well it's like do you know what i mean this kid's got hemophilia and, and bring him yeah. to a war zone and it's fine the 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 russian Troops were really badly um, like armed. They had really old weaponry. They had really bad uniforms, and the rush like the even at uh, at the front lines like the Tsar and Nicholas and uh, Tsar and Alexei and his like retinue had, you know, were having feasts and parties and stuff, and they're literally soldiers, you know. 100 yards away who are like starving and don't have like you know don't have bullets for their guns and shit it was bad so yeah that while all of that was happening at the front this again as we as we briefly mentioned in the last last episode his wife alexandra had been left at home to run the country and um some people said that many of her decisions were based on her reluctance to elect anyone who might be good enough to challenge yeah. the authority of her husband. You know, she didn't want to promote anyone who would be so good that everyone, you know, all of the Russian people would go, hang on a minute, maybe they should be in charge instead. Yeah. And so what happened is what uh, multiple sources have referred to as ministerial leapfrog. <laughs> 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 so during a period of 16 months she employed four different prime ministers five different ministers of the interior three different ministers of war that's that's worse than us last autumn isn't it well this is this is the thing maybe it's just because we live in britain in 2023 but that doesn't actually sound too bad <laughs> it does sound a little bit like she doesn't know what she's doing though a little bit it, it, you sort of get the impression that she was like, like, you know how teenage girls like fall out and then are best friends again, like within 10 minutes. It feels a bit like that. It's like, oh, well, I'm not speaking to Stephen anymore, so he can't be prime minister. <laughs> he Actually, yeah, he said he now. like my dress. Yeah. Yeah. So. Well, he, he said he liked me hearing, so he can come back now. It's fine. Yeah. 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 Yeah, so the, the the revolution that came as a result of this was a, a bit more of an unusual one. So in the 1905 revolution, there had been a number of specifically organised groups who had helped to kind of arrange the whole revolution and everything. 
but those groups weren't really popular now they didn't have huge amounts of members you know a couple of them still had their newspapers going mm. but that was it you know there, there wasn't any kind of big well-organized groups going around telling people we're having a revolution yes it, it all kind of started a bit more organically right to the to the point that no one noticed that the february revolution was a revolution at first oh, you're doing them you're doing the months again and <laughs> yeah okay. <laughs> the, the, so okay. the first one was so sort of made up of disparate groups that it wasn't until kind of like this like a strike yeah yeah it wasn't until kind of in the middle of it that people went hold on a minute there's a lot of people on strike at the moment there's quite a lot of protests coming on is this maybe yeah yeah yeah. so uh, yeah so at first it was just a strike because there'd been relatively regularly regular strikes for you know increased pay for factory workers for quite a while so it just seemed like that again they you know Admittedly, the turnout was a bit higher than normal because uh, a lot of women were celebrating uh, International Women's Day. <laughs> oh, um, but even though even though you know a couple of bakeries were destroyed, it just seemed like a normal strike. Yeah, yeah. you know, <laughs> one of those normal strikes where people refuse to work and burn down bakeries. The huge. Yeah, I mean, of all the if somebody strike. started burning down a Greg's, I would be livid. <laughs> you and fucking just Greg's. saying. I love Greg's. I had a full on ten minute, full on ten minute conversation with Lucy about how she got the Greg's app. Yeah, I'm from Devon. Greg's is always like eh, compared oh. to, you know, a proper bakery with proper pasties. <laughs> yeah. It's fine. You don't. You don't have to have my Greg's. It's fine. <laughs> have I ever? This is this is off topic. Have I ever told you that we've got a Greg's outlet? Yes, on um, the high street near my no, new house. I've, I've never heard this. Have I? No, you definitely told us that because because Lucy got really really excited. She's obviously forgotten, <laughs> and this is a whole new I've second forgotten. joy for her. She I'm coming. I'm coming down to like to if I'm outside the Greg's outlet. What's in a Greg's outlet? I think it's basically just like yesterday's sandwiches and oh, stuff. Okay. like the stuff that's still objectively fine yeah, but, yeah, yeah. they, know, go, they can't really justify going to charge full price yeah, for because yeah. it's not fresh yeah Who's, whose job is it to drive around all the local gregs and collect the unwanted sandwiches at the end of the day like i don't know but i would like, like that i would like that job <laughs> <laughs> i would like that yeah. job. i'm just gonna make herself Lucy is going to be the physical embodiment of the Greg's outlet store. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe the person doing the deliveries does it. Mm. Like, deliver fresh stuff, take away the old stuff. Maybe. We need to get somebody that, from that, Greg's That would on, be the we? sensible way of doing it, but... Yeah. yeah. Get somebody from We Greg's have on. logistical questions. <laughs> <laughs> would you like to sponsor our podcast, please? You can pay Lucy in pasties. Yeah. Festive baits. <laughs> anyway. Fine, that... you can be sponsored by Greg's, but only if you're also sponsored by Oki Oki Pasties. <laughs> yeah, okay. L- listen, I will eat any sort of pastry. Just give it me. I don't care where it's from. I love a pasty. <laughs> yeah, see, this, is, this isn't this is about pasties now. No. This is... 
Back, back to the no, super Russian revolution stuff. <laughs> you wanted yeah. me to keep it light and breezy. I'm, I'm trying my best here. Like, do you know what I mean? I'm like, revert to Greg's is fine. <laughs> yeah, so it was on the third day of the massive strike with the burning bakeries that they all decided it was a revolution. Yeah. Somebody's burnt the so pasties. I'm The Cossacks. Off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Cossacks joined the revolutionaries. Um, the Cossacks being a, a army, like a part, a um, followed by military, like part of the military force specifically. The Cossacks mm. are supposed to be the most violent and like ferocious. So you you don't want them like joining with the the protesters and the strikers. That's not not what you're looking yeah. for. Yeah, especially as then the Imperial Guard joined them as well. Mm. Oh, that's and when you know it's some serious. of the army troops. Yeah, and so Nicholas decided not to bring back any more of the army from the war in order to quash this revolution because he was worried that they would all just immediately <laughs> Join like, walk towards the strikers <laughs> and then just carry on walking yeah, and yeah. part yeah. of them. So yeah, a bunch of the government ministers went into hiding and soon the whole of the capital was under the control of the revolutionaries. And But at this point, the, you know, the Tsar still could have shut it down because... Russia's massive and like there was loads of places outside of the capital that were still perfectly loyal to him and there was no indication that they wouldn't be and so, yeah he could have called some army back to quash it and he just didn't for some reason like he, did he want it to happen do you think I don't know like I, I would say that when you look at the final outcome of the Russian Revolution, no, Nicholas probably didn't think, hey, you know, it would be a really good idea. Um, but I think that, I do think, I think perhaps that Nicholas was just so, not arrogant, he may, he was probably arrogant, but also just, he was so, like, out of touch that he just thought it mm -hmm. would just fizzle out, probably. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, they'll tire themselves out. Yeah, I, revolutionary. Well, and and he genuinely believed that he was made king, you know, put in charge by God. And when you genuinely yeah, believe I that, said it's this kind about... of hard to think to be like, oh, I'm scared of these people, you know, like because what, yeah. like God is just gonna like you, stand on them, and you'll be you kind of get that mindset, don't you? Of like, no, this is what I meant. To, I this is God's path for me. But yeah, so. It, the army was ordered to restore order and fire on the demonstrators, and one regiment did that, and all of the others started questioning it. It's like, hmm, should should we just be shooting protesters? It seems not great. No, yeah. no, not great practice. It's not really. a good. It's not Something a good PR stunt, is it? Really? Force. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, and so so by you know a couple of days after the start of the the strike large numbers of soldiers were refusing to obey orders you know many were siding with the demonstrators and yeah the authorities had lost control but um sorry is this 1905 still no 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 this is this is the uh the big one the one during the first world yeah. war yeah because because nicholas was told about this on the front lines um, and he wasn't that worried at all. He dismissed it as a hooligan movement and it would soon be over. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it, it 
it would soon be over, but not for <laughs> not in the, way the reason he thought. He thought. Yeah. yeah. So he, he made an attempt to return from the front lines um, and go to the capital, at that point, Petrograd, and reclaim his authority. But um, revolutionaries diverted his train. Uh, and so he was just sat on an empty train in the middle of nowhere, surrounded oh by revolutionaries. Well, they could have killed him there and then, couldn't they, really? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah they easily they, could have. Why um, didn't they? And Was there a reason for why they didn't? Well, I think they were... They seemed to be satisfied by him abdicating. Right. They seemed to be perfectly satisfied that that, that, was, that was a decent... So they didn't want to um, kill him, they just wanted him to, like... Outcome. Was, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because, you know, at, at that point, so the things that I've read were, were saying that they, they, a lot of people were sceptical that anything would come of it at all. Uh -huh. So while there were a lot of people who disagreed with the monarchy as a whole, the idea that the current monarch would abdicate was a massive, that was a massive deal and a massive victory. Yeah. And... So, yeah, a lot of people would, you know, would have been absolutely fine with, you know, the monarchy carrying on because they got rid of the one who was really pissing them off. Yeah, so, and that was, was that 1917 that happened, I think, when he abdicated? I can't get, I can't remember my dates. Yeah, I believe so. I think all of that type of information is in the other document. Um <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah 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 because yeah, it was the february revolution in 1917 yeah so i i wrote this just after i wrote the other one so i assumed that i would have read the other one more recently when i wrote this document right so yeah originally his idea was to you know abdicate in favor of his son as you would that's how the line of succession works um but he refused to put alexi in danger because you know he was still pretty young I think, he still wasn't very well i think 1970 and 12 in february mm. you... yeah so it he, he would have had to rule along with um like a you know like a, like a designated yeah. person Conservator type person yeah 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 but yeah he wasn't willing to do that so instead he named his brother who was a, a grand duke well, I, it, it's spelled Grand Duke Michael, but it's Russian, so it probably wasn't pronounced like that. But I'm not sure how you pronounce the name Michael no, in Russian. Let's not. Let's not. Um, let's not make an attempt. Yeah, I was going to say let's not offend loads of Russian and Eastern European people by butchering their language. Yeah. So yeah, so he he named his brother as his successor, and then his brother went lol no yeah i'm not doing that is it like no. two days he was like fuck no well i mean some of the things that i read his his reaction seemed almost instant yeah. you know he had he didn't really have any support of the people of the military and he had no intention of trying to force um you know anyone to be loyal to him or whatever and it's a bit like and, what happened with george and edward here where like you're if you're born to be king you like 
people are supposed to do all the like work with you and then the spare is just like i'm gonna go on my yacht i'll see you guys later i mean like, yeah i mean just in case but i know you're not gonna like prince harry for instance like you don't you don't need, was the, yeah exactly. he is the you don't spare. Need me. it's fine no yeah exactly you don't but i mean it just I'm, in case I'm gonna, go, I'm gonna go over here yeah, yeah. um i'm gonna go and live in america for michael he was like yeah michael was like sorry sorry what I was I was playing bridge on my yacht. You you need me to do what now? <laughs> yeah, I was having a nice time in my life of luxury and money and stuff. What do you mean I have to do things? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> especially like once you know once your once your your brother who is king has a son of his own, you're like, oh fucking hell, I can, I can chill out now. I don't need to do anything. Like, yeah, yeah, to, yeah, yeah. To then yeah. have somebody turn around ten years later and be like, so you know that thing that you never really wanted to do, but you and you were like now chilling out because you didn't think you ever had to yeah (laughs) so yeah so he refused the position and the romanov dynasty surrendered its 300 year control of russia wow you see if this was this day and age bbc news sky news would be all over that wouldn't they for days on end (laughs) wouldn't they (laughs) Clive um, Myrie would be I mean, na- like knackered. He'd be like, "What? What day is it? Is it? What day is it? I started this on <laughs> Tuesday. What day is it? <laughs> it's it. It's it's now February. <laughs> yeah. Please make it stop. <laughs> so after Nicholas abdicated, um, there was a period of time where the the families were still kind of separated, where um, Alexi was. Um, in one place, I believe his father was in another place, and um, his mother was um, his mother and his sisters, I think, were still in the capital. And um, after the the like, after the abdication, the family were they were they were guarded by like a a lot of soldiers in a slightly kind of excessive, scary sort of way. Um, yeah, but they put the frighteners, frighteners on them, basically. Yeah. So, but during all of this time, Alexei was really, really poorly. So he'd been, mm-hmm. um, yeah, he'd been removed from the front and put in another like grand house, and he was really poorly. And it's um, his one of his tutors who, who's I read a load of his letters. He writes to um, Alexandra and stuff. Um, over the years and he said basically Alexi had no real idea of what was going on he was really poorly been in bed for like weeks um, and obviously you know he's a 12 year old boy they were protecting him from all of that and so he didn't uh, the quote was he knew little of the issues he just he didn't know mm. what was happening really he's I get the impression he sort of like he came out of his room after like a few weeks of being really poorly and there were just a bunch of un because obviously they were always guarded but like there's just a bunch of unfamiliar soldiers around and he was just yeah. like what what's yeah. this what's going what, on what, what, what's happening what's happening mm. but he was um he still had a relative amount of freedom and he was sort of able to still like play and um you know he still had sort of some privilege and they were just sort of held under um, house arrest at Alexander Palace mm-hmm. from March until July of 1917. Um, 
so that will have been from basically the abdication um, until July. Mm-hmm. And then they were moved to Tobolsk, which again, I'm probably mispronouncing that. I'm sorry for our Russian listeners. They stayed in, again, it was a fairly sort of grand house in Tobolsk and they stayed there um, and they had their final Christmas together there. Oh no. Oh no. You've just said the words <laughs> final Christmas. Oh no. Yeah. So in the in the months between April and May 1918, um, the family were all moved to an isolated property in um, Yekaterinburg, um, which is in Siberia, I believe. Um, the house has got a like it's 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 one of those fancy houses that's got like a fancy house name, um, but in all of the documents and stuff it was referred to as the house of special purpose oh well that's sinister my god that is sinister yeah what like that gives me the eebie-jeebies more than like a haunted house would Mm -hmm. i don't like this so the family were allowed to bring they had a couple of their members of their personal staff with them and some of their personal belongings um, I don't know if you remembered, I mentioned Alexi's love of animals and his pet dog, Joy, his pet spaniel. Yeah. He brought his spaniel with yeah. him. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say they killed it or something. No. Um, so, yeah, he was allowed to bring his spaniel with him. Um, but none of the sort of the, the closest members of the household staff, like particularly none of the ones closest to Alexi, like neither of his tutors or do you remember i mentioned the naval officer that uh was kind mm-hmm. of allocated to look after him that they weren't allowed to bring yeah uh, he none of them came with them it was literally it was like a a lady's maid and a cook and i think somebody else it was only uh, a doctor was there i think maybe there was a couple others mm-hmm. so during this time um the the while they're in there the house of special purpose the Romanov children uh, did did a lot of the stuff that like you would expect children to do um, in kind of like a lockdown situation. So they were like playing like board games did, and making. Up did they stories. create a podcast like we did? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, they used to put on plays and stuff for his um, for like their parents, like in which yeah. feels a very like. I absolutely in the 90s can remember my friend coming around for the afternoon and then us forcing our parents to sit down and watch the plays yeah. we Oh, everybody, it's a, that's a rite of passage, that is. Everybody's done that. Yeah. Everybody. Yeah, or like yeah. watch our dance routines. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, in his <laughs> diary, um, Alexi talks about like making up these, putting on these plays um, and playing cards with his sisters, because um, <clears throat> his sisters, one of his sisters were quite, was quite a lot older than she was like 10 years older than him or something. Um, his older sister used to like read to him and he would read with his mum quite a lot. His mum was already quite religious, but she got like quite into reading the Bible um, and stuff during this time. So makes sense. Probably didn't take all that many books with them. No, um, <laughs> and you know the Bi- the Bible's pretty thick. Like we've got a decent amount. Yeah, of yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not gonna yeah, get bored with that. Going for months. <laughs> mm. 
I mean, you might, but it won't be over <laughs> for a long time still. I mean, the Bible's basically an anthology. Yeah. So it's like, if you don't like the story you're reading at the minute, that's all right. There's going to be another one. In there. <laughs> about, like, arcs and shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Which Can you tell that I don't know much about the Bible? Arcs and shit. Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, it's. it's the Christmas episode. I could have mentioned specifically the Christmas one. <laughs> yeah, the Christmas. That very the Christmas specific Christmas story. Bible nope. story. Yeah. Happy yeah, yeah. birthday, no, I, Jesus. No, just go for the. <laughs> <laughs> nope. I went for the one where everything floods. <laughs> yes. Um. So in like diary entries and letters and stuff at the time, there's a lot of talk about like how they weren't allowed to go to church. They weren't allowed to get letters from people from the outside um but like it was obviously like really there was obviously a really heavy cloud hanging over everybody but like Mm -hmm. you get the impression from alexi's diaries and stuff like i think i've said alexi was i think he was quite immature and quite young for his age he was quite naive um the his diaries he's more just kind of frustrated that he can't go out like you don't necessarily get the impression that he's like this is this, this shit is really bad like something not yeah. great is going on here mm-hmm. and maybe like as i was reading it i just thought maybe that that protected him a little bit from some of the anxiety that everybody else was feeling um because i i think i made it clear in the first episode like I feel I feel really fucking sorry for Alexi. Like he didn't ask to be born, like into that family. This this shit no. is bad, and it's not mm-hmm. really fair because he was just a kid. Um, yeah. And yeah, in his diary, he just, he just sounds like he's kind of bored, and like it's kind of monotonous, and he doesn't like it. But yeah, things in Siberia were not going well. Um, the Bolsheviks, who had um, who were the ones who had basically led the revolution and who had now um arrested the family they erected fences as high as the first floor windows around the property um even though they also painted the windows like so that you couldn't see out them they also built these fences so that um like nobody could see in either um and it was like i know people think siberia and they think like um snow and like it's proper like just freezing they um, think they think polar bears don't they Ice yeah polar bears, yeah snow, not rugs not in yeah not in yekaterinburg in july like the wit they weren't no. the windows weren't like they couldn't open the windows and so the house was like stiflingly hot the meals were like quite meager it was definitely not what they were used to um and again like the guard this guard was even uh, like worse than the ones when they'd been at alexander palace these were not even like soldiers anymore they this was they this was the bolsheviks right who just kind of <laughs> just actively hated them like um they used to like intimidate the family and they would have what they called firing practice like 
in the gut in the yards like and the grounds just outside of the windows they were like trying to scare them weren't they basically that's what they yeah, were doing yeah absolutely scaring them absolutely yeah yeah in in some of her final diary entries alexandra talks about um like just hearing shots being fired like right outside her window like and they were like oh yeah it's just firing practice they're making sure that they keep in line and don't cause a fuss aren't they really that's what they're doing i think they're i think it's a step up from that i think they're actively trying to like scare them and make them feel like on edge Mm -hmm. so the family lived at the house of a special purpose for the last 98 days of their lives uh late in the evening of july the 16th 1918 the family were woken up like so it's like it's like night time they were woken up by the commandant um who was in charge of the guards and so the white army which was actually like a pro uh, an anti-bolshevik movement um so they were against the the bolsheviks they were not necessarily pro like romanov but they didn't like the bolsheviks believed in a lot of stuff as well as not wanting uh monarchy um and so they were anti-bolsheviks they were uh and come came from some of the countries um sort of and wider bit parts of russia mm-hmm. so there was this anti the white army this anti-bolshevik movement they were moving across to sort of siberia to try and free the romanovs that was what they they were working to do and so when the family were woken up um late at night they were sort of told oh we're moving you because this army is approaching so we're going to move you somewhere safe so they were told we're moving you somewhere safe as a bit of like we're going to help you yeah yeah so the the bolsheviks who were keeping them captive yeah Mm -hmm. they were like we're gonna move you somewhere safe um Mm -hmm. and so the family were all dragged out of bed and um given like got dressed and, and given the chance to grab some of their like most precious belongings and they were taken down to there was there was like a sort of semi underground sort of storage shed thing like you've probably been to i don't know whether you've been lucy because they're probably not that wheelchair accessible but like you see them in this country it's almost like partially submerged buildings that like in the olden times they used to keep like stuff in i've been to the local regiment museum and they've got like uh, you know like sheds and outbuildings that are like half hidden because they're trying to make it look like a trench that kind of thing that's what i'm imagining like a kind of hovel yeah. type yeah um, it was hole. a bit basically it was it was quite it was quite big there was multiple rooms to it but it was like mm-hmm. underground mm-hmm. and they had to walk through the courtyard of their um sort of the the big house that they were in and they were just shut in this this space this is not going to end well is it so the the historians believe from what they know that the family went quite willingly because they thought that they were just going to be moved somewhere safe in the morning and that they were just being yeah they thought they were like being hidden there overnight and they were going to move somewhere safe in the morning in the morning yeah 
Alexi was really, really poorly at the time. And so he had to be carried down. Um, so his dad had to, literally had to carry him in his arms into the room. When they got in there, um, Alexandra, um, the Tsarina, she demanded that the guards bring chairs for her and Alexi because they couldn't possibly stand up. And obviously Alexi couldn't. Um, and and yeah. Alexandra had had a lot of her own health health issues. Yeah. But it's just, people talk about it a lot as being like, you know, even at this point, Alexandra was still like quite entitled and like, bring us chairs, peasant. Yeah. They did, they did bring two chairs and the, the double, after the chairs were brought in, the double doors to the storeroom were locked with the family and a number of Bolshevik guards inside. How long were they in there, Alice? It's not long. So... Not long. We'll jump back a bit. The night before, on the 15th of July, the Commandant had allocated each member of the guard that we now have, you know, locked in with in the storeroom with mm -hmm. the family. They mm -hmm. were all allocated a member of the Romanov family um, and the, the handful of staff that they had left mm -hmm. and told them that they were going to be in charge of killing that individual. Oh, Jesus Christ. Um, however, only hours before the family were woken up and moved down to that storeroom, several of oh. the guards turned around and refused to kill the princesses. So by this point, the girls would have been aged between 17 and 22. A bunch of the, the, the guards that had been allocated to um, this sort of each individual, actually, when it came to it, there were only seven guards actually present in the storeroom. Mm -hmm. The guards, they were waiting in like a small side room and they'd been provided, they'd been provided with ex-army issue guns, which were old and poorly maintained. Uh, they also had handguns and bayonets. I'm going to give a content warning for quite graphic descriptions of violence for the next few minutes. If you don't want to hear it, you might want to skip. Uh, I'm hanging on by my fingernails here. So the commandant, he read a short statement to the family, which basically said that they had been found to be enemies of the people and that they were going to be executed there was obviously no trial or anything this was just no the decision that had been made and the family was so shocked about this like they hadn't expected that this would be the sort of the the outcome like that evening they genuinely thought like that they were going to be moved there is some suggestion that people thought maybe this was what might happen eventually um nicholas in particular um probably thought that he was going to be executed and also sadly probably that alexi would be executed as the heir mm. but nobody expected it tonight nicholas was so surprised by this announcement that he actually asked the commandant to read it again wow so although there had been specific guards allocated to shoot the different members of the royal family um, after the 
statement was read. Um, unsurprisingly, all the guards wanted to be able to say that they were the one who shot the emperor. So mm. when the firing started, all of the guards turned their guns on Nicholas. And so Nicholas died almost instantly because mm. he was being shot multiple times by seven people. Mm. After that happened, it was basically chaos. People were just firing at will at different Randomly. people. There were shots being fired all over the place because the it was a small room and it was poorly maintained weaponry. There was just smoke everywhere. There was screaming. Alexandra died quite quickly as well, whilst the sisters were actually huddled in corners, like mm. crying and screaming. And the family maid was running around the room, like trying to get out, clutching a pillowcase mm. that was full of stuffed with all of Alexandra's jewels. Alexei was shot in the head, although. Sadly, it's likely it took him a long time to die. Oh, um, but his his sisters were still alive, and the guards set about savaging them with their bayonets. So they didn't die easily at all. The yeah. sisters they probably had the worst of it. In all. 11 people were killed other than Nicholas none of them will have died particularly quickly or easily um, historian Helen Rappaport says this is why I say to people you can't call it an execution um, I think people have a sense that they were lined up in a nice neat row yeah. and it was bang 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 and it was not like that at all it was badly executed, so badly organised, um, inefficient and hideous. And I think that's the thing about it that really got me is like, if this had been a like a firing squad execution, like you sort of mm. think it was. Mm -hmm. But they, that was that was horrific. Yeah. Like, that must it was almost been... like they but they butchered it, didn't they? Really, and I think yeah. when when I think about death, the two things that make me feel really sad when anybody dies is the fact that a if they were on their own, that makes me feel sad. I can't explain mm -hmm. why, but it does. And the second thing is if they were scared when they died, that also yeah, I can't deal with it. Because nobody, nobody should. It just it's just the yeah. the the girls and Alexi like that. I mean, being the last one as well. The, what like, happened to the girls? All. What happened to those girls, man? Yeah. 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 Um. <sighs> so after Merry Christmas. <laughs> after um, all the murders. The bodies were taken outside and stripped of anything valuable. Um, it was all taken and uh, the bodies were burned and the Ooh. remains were thrown in a mine shaft and acid was poured on them to make it harder to identify them. 
Right. Which okay. to me, that makes me go like, you haven't, you're not proud of this. You're not like, oh, you know, we've rid yeah. the world of these these enemies of the people. You're like, we've got we've got to hide what we've done. You're a coward, aren't you? Essentially, the, the Bolsheviks. After that, they threw grenades down the mine shaft. They were like, "We need to get rid of like this. Everything. We have to yeah. destroy the bodies. We have to destroy the burial site. Like, we do not want people Evidence. to find them." Yeah, no, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but because uh, they were Russian army grenades, the grenades didn't work. Um, so <laughs> they took the bodies out again. Uh, and moved them to another, like, remote area where two holes were dug and the the Romanovs were left there. And that's where they stayed until they were discovered nearly 60 years later. My God. So what were the Russian people told then about them? Where, Like, what was the party line of? these people have disappeared is it just that they've like been exiled or or what that was a a beautiful segue lucy because my next sentence is the next day the bolsheviks revealed that nicholas had been executed which again right. sort of expected yeah they they didn't say anything about the rest of the family so okay it was yeah it was sort of expected it wasn't just expected in russia either um quite a lot of obviously the the royal um the royal cousins outside of russia so such as obviously our royal family um they also were sort of yeah we had kind of expected this mm. but there was they didn't say anything there was a lot of rumors about actually what happened to alexei and the sisters um and these spread all across Europe, and there would be a lot of um, a lot of interesting other stories would come out of of these rumors over the years. So, I'm going to talk a little bit now about something that is talked about quite a lot, and um, you know, I, I've talked about how much I enjoyed watching The Crown, and it's like a whole thing in The Crown about why our royal family didn't do anything to try and help the Romanovs um, because like I said this was sort of expected like Nicholas being executed was sort of expected and you mm-hmm. would have thought that like your cousin would try and help so once it was revealed that uh, Nicholas was dead the other European royal families stepped up to try and save the rest of the Romanov family and get them released obviously not knowing that um, it was already too late they all did sort of petitions to uh, and representations from other uh, from other royal families to the Bolsheviks um, and they'd been going on during the 16 months since the uh, Romanovs had been imprisoned but nobody had kind of really tried to it was a lot more complicated than it looks like in the crown for example Mm -hmm. the family had been imprisoned and it wasn't just like the other royal families could be like hey give us our cousins back 
because of the like political climate at the time like it was still a war on and even though like both nicholas and alexander were like alexandra were related to um george over here and also related to kaiser wilhelm um and the german royal family and the spanish royal family they were like you know there was a a war on and the all of these other countries had um constitutional monarchs so they couldn't just be like we're going to spend a load of money to get our cousins out because everything had to go through the government first so it just it was just something i wanted to talk about because in the crown they make it seem like king george and queen what was elizabeth's mum's name was it Mary? elizabeth bow's lion El yeah that's elizabeth bow's lion yeah in in the crown and like general kind of pop culture everybody's like oh they didn't care and uh elizabeth bow's lion didn't was like oh no fuck them it's not important but actually like their hands were kind of tied yeah and um and also you mean, you mean the crown wasn't a historical <laughs> documentary <laughs> i know right incredibly accurate <laughs> Oh, it's but boggles um, my mind. That fact boggles my mind that people look at it and go, "Oh yeah, that happened. That conversation happened." But it's also kind of generally like outside of um, serious historical conversations. Everybody is like, "Oh, King George betrayed his cousin yeah. by not rescuing him." But I just, I think it was a lot more complicated than that. And George was really, really sad when it eventually came out that the whole family were gone george mm. did like send over by the time this happened the first world war was over but he sent a ship to get at to get um nicholas's mum out and like anybody who was left out of there because he they were his family and he wanted to do something mm -hmm. um but it was just too late and it didn't help obviously that the bolsheviks were telling people that only Nicholas was dead and that the that Alexandra and the children were all fine. And then he was like, oh, Alexandra's dead. But the children are fine. It's fine. Let's not worry about it. Like, hey, look over there. Let's not talk about this. Yeah. For like months, for months, yeah. they were like, no, 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 don't worry about it. Do you think that there was a chance that the, um, you know, royal families in, in other places maybe thought that they were dead oh, there, there, there could be an element of sort of like you know okay we have history of being revolutioned at I it, think... it seem it seems potentially seemed likely to them that i i think i think they probably thought like i said they probably thought nicholas alexander and alexi were dead Mm. but i don't think anybody expected the daughters to die because they were never like they were never going to do anything yeah yeah they're not they're not a risk in the traditional no. sense yeah, yeah exactly. it's not like they were going to regroup on their own and try and restart the dynasty exactly exactly the worst that they were going to do was go and marry you know some bavarian prince somewhere mm. and have some children like mm -hmm. i don't think people thought you know i i suspect the the other royals thought that maybe they'd get ransomed or something. Mm. Yeah. Unless I guess they, they they were following on with their, their suspicion of um 
you know, the Tsarist really being German and somehow ruining Russian interest. And they thought, oh, they're just going to go and marry some, yeah, some German princes or princes from other countries and continue trying to ruin Russia. But yeah, that seems a bit of a stretch. Mm. And I sort of, I was thinking about it, like, when I think about historical European revolutions, like, I, I don't know much about European history, but like the other one that really stands out is the French Revolution. And they were very public with their, hey, look, this motherfucker's dead now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's know. a sh- show of power for the revolutionaries is to be like, see see what we did? See what we yeah. did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did so... we do guillot- guillotine so good? Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> are, you, thought... are you proud of us? <laughs> yeah, somebody needs some approval from their mum, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, so it feels like, um, I don't know, I I personally, I think probably not. Um, again, certainly not for, for the girls. Um, mm. But because there were these rumours, like it eventually the Bolsheviks went, yeah, no, no, we did it. We killed the SARS. But because these rumours let fly for a while, there was, um, I want to just talk a little bit about all of these people who then appeared over the next like hundred years, going, yeah, no, uh, secretly a Romanov, didn't die. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They thought that about the the little. They thought that about the little boys in the that Richard the Third allegedly in the tower. Murdered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That they would go away, yeah. and then like somebody would pop up and go, yeah, yeah I'm one of them. Right. Yeah. Okay. You yeah, know? there was one guy in particular who was like, "No, it's me." Um, yeah, I'm not. I'm not little boy. So, yeah. So in in 1922, this woman who had she'd been living in a hospital after um being found in a canal, mm-hmm. um she started telling people that she was the youngest daughter of the Romanovs, um right. Anastasia. She's it's a whole weird story. She. See, I don't know whether it was connected to her being like, hey, I'm a Romanov, but she's taken in by a wealthy Russian living in Germany. And she's just like starts going around saying, hey, I'm I'm Anastasia. And like, despite being visited by some of the people who survived, like some of the Romanovs who managed to get out of Russia, including like some of, I think, was it Nicholas's? great aunt or someone who like who knew the family reasonably well and then being like no that's not her a bunch of people who had seen the romanovs once were like no that's definitely her and she dined off it like for fucking until the day she died she was like yeah no i'm anastasia (laughs) i'm telling you i'm anastasia yeah i suspect from what i've read that she was not very well um and she probably had some pretty significant mental health issues she ended up um she died in an asylum in america right but yeah she until she like into the 1990s she was going around going yeah no i'm anastasia um and i guess that's why we got that cut that disney cartoon Uh, another one another one so one of the things that disproved the fact that this lady was not Anastasia was um, that in the 1990s, 
we were able to do DNA tests on uh, the the bodies of uh, the Romanovs. Absolutely. You know, that'll put a fairly solid nail in that coffin. Yeah. So, <laughs> so what happened... The, the story, I just want to tell you the story of how they found the Romanovs and how they identified them because I think it's it's one of the most fascinating parts of this whole story. So um, back in 1918, after they were killed, people immediately started going, well, we need to find their bodies. And you remember I talked about the two, Alexei's two like dedicated tutors who had worked with him his whole life. They mm. went up to the house of special purpose to like look for evidence of what might have happened to them. Mm -hmm. They found the mine shaft where they had been initially dumped. Yeah. They found a bunch of stuff um, in the mine shaft. So people thought that that was probably like the where the bodies had been and that they'd just been totally destroyed and there were no remains left to find. So they found a piece of jewellery that had been given to Alexandra as a gift by one of her daughters. They found both Nicholas and Alexei's belt buckles. Um, they found the glasses of um, oh the, my God, that's the giving me chills. family doctor. They're giving me chills. They also found the, the remains of Anastasia's beloved dog. Oh no. Not the dog. <laughs> yeah. So um, they, that's what they assumed had happened to the Romanovs um, and their retinue. Um, but obviously this was like the 1918 times. So Ooh. they had no way of confirming like whose bones were what and stuff like that. No. In the 1970s, an yeah. amateur sleuth um, named Alexander Anadin decided that he was going to it was basically it was a race against time because they it had been announced that they were going to tear down the house of special purpose mm -hmm. so this amateur sleuth was like i'm gonna find those bodies and he started using his sleuthing and investigating and on the 30th of may 1979 he found a grave containing multiple bodies mm. he removed three skulls and take took two of them uh but they had to do this all secretly as well because yeah. this was yeah before the 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 wall came down mm -hmm. so russia was still really like insular and so we had to secretly take these skulls to moscow to undergo like forensic testing and although there was like we knew about dna the science wasn't strong enough for him to be able to identify it, exactly who the um, bodies belonged to so although he'd found this grave and it was on the site of the, the house of special purpose they couldn't confirm who it belonged to right so he took the skulls back and put them back i was just like that's that's where i think they are but i can't do anything more about it because the they couldn't let the government find out like that they'd found the grave because everybody was worried that if the soviet government found out that they'd found the Romanov grave that they'd just all hell would get rid of all loose, evidence of it completely yeah yeah mm. so it took 20 
years nearly no in in 1991 the the soviet union fell so that's 12 years later and um permission was given to or it's 89 i think the wall came down anyway Mm -hmm. whereas there was a time there there was a wall then there was no wall right they the soviet union finally gave permission for the somebody to actually look for the romanovs so they came back um people came back and basically dug up the same grave site that the guy had already found Mm -hmm. because of the local makeup of the soil the remains were all in really good condition like good condition despite it being 75 years since they were buried like it's like the mary rose when the mary rose went down um because it was covered in mud basically when it went down they managed to pull it up and everything is like perfect so i would imagine it's the same sort of thing really i think it was i think they said it was really clay heavy soil yeah so they were really like preserved yeah yeah so they they excavated this grave and they were all really confused because they only found nine bodies Mm. and of course that meant that everybody was like maybe they weren't all all killed like there's only nine bodies here yeah they got a forensic anthropologist to start um sort of trying to identify the bones and like putting the bodies back together basically Mm -hmm. and they they used they had to use early early like 20th century photos of the family to identify these skeletons which is just like but like I've seen olden timey photos. Like everybody mm-hmm. looks the fucking same. Yeah, like I think it's incredible that they can do that. <laughs> so they they eventually discovered that from this grave, the nine bodies that they definitely had the remains of some of the Romanovs. Um, but it was it was they couldn't tell who was who, particularly of the daughters, because they were all so close in age, mm-hmm. and all all looked really really similar. Um, because you know inbreeding will do that to you but they also when they finally kind of finished the investigation they also realized that actually they only had three of the daughter's bodies and that there was no body of a young boy well where's he gone where'd he gone in uh you'll you'll find out so is this the, is this the christmas um the... is he actually tiny tim is that what you're telling me <laughs> no um so i'm gonna come up to the christmas link in a second though so okay um, all right. not in a second in a little while you'll get okay that. hold on all right okay okay so uh in 1992 the remains of the romanovs were moved to england where they could start doing some dna testing yes. however they needed living relatives to do <gasps> the dna oh, to like, get dna this like, from this is like richard the third all over again isn't it that's what they did. They found his cousin in like Canada. They did, but mm. who who do we know who was related to the Romanovs in living in this country? I don't know who. Did you tell me? I don't know. George who. the Fifth. Jo- yeah, but, King oh, George. Oh yeah, of course. Queen, of course. Queen Elizabeth's dad. Yes. Um, but they they had to get maternal dna it had to come from the maternal line yeah so they had to look they had to to find somebody who was related to nicholas via his mother and Mm. if you know anything about 
the royal families you know we've mm-hmm. talked about inbreeding they they were doing it surprisingly recently mm-hmm. queen elizabeth and her husband prince philip were cousins they're cousins yeah yeah and and prince philip was alexandra's great nephew oh this is like the end of midsummer murders this is where it all becomes like <laughs> so eventually they yeah. in 1993 they just they using dna from prince philip and uh from a random duke living in scotland yeah they found that the the grave that they had found had nicholas alexandra <gasps> olga no tatiana way. and anastasia amazing how cool is that that is quite cool. so cool well done prince philip congratulations i know it's the one good thing that he did <laughs> so they were returned to russia and buried at the cathedral in st petersburg on the 80th yeah. anniversary of their deaths the 17th of july 1998 which uh, i very distinctly remember was my 11th birthday and supposed to be my 11th birthday party but was also happened to be it was supposed to be my 11th birthday party right um but it also also happened to be my primary school's centenary celebration right and one of my teachers very specifically asked me not to have my birthday party on the same day what no way man i know i was 11 if somebody asked me i'd be like "Uh, no i am the most important person here today thank you very much no Um, i hope you said did you say no the did you say no i probably i don't remember (laughs) i am you know if i am this obstinate now i could only have been worse at 11 (laughs) i'm saying nothing (laughs) <laughs> uh, so the 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 russian royal family were all sainted by the russian orthodox church in 2000 uh then in this seven years really later another um, mm-hmm. in really... 2007 another amateur geologist decided yeah. that they were going to find the rest of the romanovs and he came across a second grave yes literally just yards away from the first Mm. which contained the bodies of two children so is that all dna testing proved yeah dna testing proved that uh this was the romanovs of the remains of the romanovs youngest daughter maria and their son alexei wow Yep. Alexei Nikolaevich was 13 years old when he was killed. I've been on a bit of a roller coaster here. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a lot to, like, process. But, I mean, what, like, what? why has there not been, has there been a film about this? Because there should be a film about this. I know that there was a film called Alexei, but I don't know how good it was. No. It's quite. I, I feel like this, this could be an incredible Netflix series. Absolutely. I was just thinking exactly the same. Can we get in touch with them? <laughs> <laughs> they can use this podcast episode as a basis. So 
One of the things that they discovered when doing the genetic testing on these bodies was that they were able to identify the kind of haemophilia that Alexi had. I think I mm-hmm. said that it had already spread across different European royal families. Mm-hmm. So they discovered that Alexi had what's called haemophilia B. Right. Um, haemophilia B, it's an X-linked condition, which means that it is passed down on the um, genetic female X chromosome. But that because only genetic... Because genetic men, males, have an X chromosome and a Y chromosome, whereas mm. genetic females have two X chromosomes. Mm-hmm. Most females don't have the condition because the second X chromosome ah, like balances it out. I see, I see, I see. So okay. they, it was it that by looking at the female, um, the the maternal gen- genetics, they were able to trace this haemophilia B across um, several like royal families, but also the. The interesting thing about haemophilia B, because there's two kinds of haemophilia, it's haemophilia A and haemophilia B. Haemophilia B is also known as Christmas disease. Oh my God, Alice. It has taken (laughs) two two episodes. (laughs) Alice, it has taken two episodes and hours and hours of rescheduling new software. For Christmas disease, for God's sake! <laughs> oh my God! Oh my God! You're off my Christmas card list, mate. I'm sorry. <laughs> Christmas, Daisy. I feel drained. <laughs> that doesn't even count. <laughs> Speechless. Shall, shall I tell you why it's called Christmas disease? Why is it called Christmas disease? It's not even for any exciting festive reason. It's just that when they were doing, uh, at some point in the, I think it was the early noughties, they were doing a study on children with haemophilia and one of the children had a different kind of haemophilia from all the others and that was how they identified A and B and his name happened to be Christmas. (sighs) Fucking hell. (laughs) (laughs) I'm... You're gonna have to do better next year. I'm sorry. Can we not do like Rudolph's origin story or something? I don't know. He's got a disability. He's got a red nose. Won't stop beaming. Something like that. Christmas disease for Uh, God's sake. I'm gonna tell you something nice to finish on. Okay. Okay. So. Do you remember I said mm. that they found the body of Anastasia's dog? Yeah. And that we talked about Alexi's dog, Joy. Yeah. Back in 1918, in his diaries, Alexi complained that his dog, Joy, would keep disappearing, running out of the House of Special Purpose for a few days and re- coming back later. Mm. In the weeks after the uh, Romanov family were murdered, Joy was found scarred and scared, but alive in the grounds of the uh, house in Yekaterinburg. 
He was taken in by a British officer and lived out his days just around the corner from where Alexi's second cousin lived in Windsor Castle. John Lewis, if you're listening, uh, that is <laughs> that. <laughs> That's going to be better than this year's, uh, what is it, Venus flytrap Christmas tree thing. Oh, you're really the... mad about that, aren't you? I am really cross about it. <laughs> it's not festive. <laughs> What's this festive about flies? Nothing. <laughs> I'm exhausted. It's not festive about flies. It's there's something there's something very festive about just eating everything. <laughs> I suppose. True. I'll give you that. Yeah. You're trying to convince me, but it's a hard slog, Daisy. I'm sorry. Well, that was then. I'll win you over eventually. Yeah. <laughs> Come January when it stops showing on the telly. Um, Alice, that was the journey and a half. And I don't feel any more festive yeah, now than when we started. If I'm honest. Well, maybe go and go and have a drink. That will yeah. probably make you feel a bit more jolly. Maybe, yeah, maybe. Um, thank you very much for that, Alice. It's very. There was no. In all seriousness. There were some very, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Very interesting elements to that story. And I have learned something. So well done for that. Just not very festive. And it's very, that is the most tenuous link I have ever heard in my life. Um, <laughs> we're I was have really to proud of myself when I came <laughs> out that one. We're going to have to try harder, I think, next year. But no, that was really interesting. Daisy, thank you for your time. Uh, Talking about um, Rasputin, I'm very pleased oh, I remembered his name. Right. If I'm honest, um, yeah, yeah, the guy, the guy with the willy. That's how I remember the it. guy. The guy. Yeah. With the Merry willy. Christmas. Merry Christmas. I am going to go now and try and demolish some sort of chocolate-based pudding. I think. Well, we will see you all in the new year. <laughs> bye bye. Bye bye. Shh, don't wake Dora. Thanks for listening to The Label Podcast. If you like the show, you can rate, review and subscribe and you can follow us on social media at Labelled Pod. This episode was edited by Adam Hall. Our music was by Maisie Crunden and we'd like to thank the rest of the team involved. <laughs>